0: Well, good morning. Again, I want to invite you to the uh, barbecue that's tonight. Grant's ribs are fantastic. They're world-renowned. world, world renowned And, I mean, free ribs, come on. You've got to have some of those. If you could bring a side, we'll also have some hot dogs and uh, brats also. But if you're able to come, it would be awesome. We'll be here at 5. Also, Tony Sias and I are going to play NBA 2K, so you'll get to see Tony humiliated. Um, <laughs> and watch me watch me beat him um, at NBA 2K. So we're going to have to see what happens. One of us will be humiliated one way or the other after after I just uh, declared that. Uh, we're starting a, a new series uh, where we're going to be talking about diversity for the next couple months. And as we think about this, we're going to think about it in all kinds of ways, diversity in age, on diversity in, in different backgrounds, and what it means for us to, to love each other and why I think this matters to God and why I think that it's really important. I mean, the United States has been described at, at times as, as a melting pot. And I don't know if that's necessarily a, a great way to, to describe it, because I don't really think the intention is that all of us would like melt together and form something worse, perhaps, than uh, when if we're all just separate. But I, I think it's important for us to think about what does it look like for us to honor God with our diversity? Why does God care about Diversity. in A place like 2019 uh, Los Angeles, I think one of the, the greatest lies that we can sometimes believe is that it, I'm just, I'm past that stuff. You know, I, that was like my grandparents or whatever, or it's still in the South perhaps today, but it's not me. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. But even if you're in a place like L.A., like a, a kind of progressive thinking place in, in 2019 where and sometimes we can believe that lie that we can be a little bit past that. If you were to drive to a certain part of L.A., there's a black part of town. If you were to drive to a certain part of L.A., there's a Hispanic part of town. If you were to drive to another part of L.A., there's an Asian part of town. Twenty minutes from here, in certain directions, no matter where it is that, that you go, no matter what cultural background you are, you would be a minority in a certain part of town. That's 2019 Los Angeles in an experiment that we've called the melting pot for 200 years. and I think it's hard for us to recognize this is a difficulty that we all struggle with and deal with. Just a couple weeks ago, I was driving out one of our uh, members of our church is in a, a hospice or a rehab facility um, in San Gabriel. And so I was driving to that area, and if I'm going to a place like that, I don't want to eat at Burger King. Uh, so I was looking for a place that looked like a cool local spot. And so if you're in San Gabriel, for the local spots, it's like Chinese on the wall, basically. That's what that's what you think is going to be cool. So I walked in um, to one of those, and like everybody just looked at me like, like, you're not from here, are you? Basically, from the very beginning, and I stood out like a sore thumb, and I I sat down, and uh, the person brought me the menu, and said, I think they knew to say this to somebody, they said, just FYI, it's it's cash only, and I never have any cash, like, I just don't have cash, I was like, well, see you guys later, and I walked walked out of the store, then I went to another one, and the same thing, I, I I knew to ask this time, so I said, is this cash only? I said, yeah. He said, sorry, it's cash only. So I was like, all right, well, I got to go find another one. Eventually, I did find one, but I texted Chen, who lives out in San Gabriel. I said, uh, what is the deal with this cash only? Is this 1993 or something out here in San Gabriel? And he said, typically, the Chinese family-owned restaurants, that's what, what it's going to be. It's going to be cash only. So I was totally not prepared. But I found that interesting that I'm, again, just about 20 minutes from here down the road, and I am definitely the minority, again, in a very progressive city, in a place where we can easily think, you know, I'm, I'm past that. But I don't think we truly ever are. Because the human heart is, is conditioned to love people who just look like us at times. Jesus, I don't have a, the slide for this one, but Jesus challenges all of us in the Gospel of Luke. He says, if you love people who are like you... Then what credit is that to you? Because if you're good at loving people who like are just like you and like do the same things you do and enjoy the same things you do and are kind of similar to you, like if you love people who are like that, like even people who don't believe in God do that. And if you are in relationships that are just reciprocal, and like, you know, it's it's oh well, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, like then you're just like everybody else. How is it that you're living more into my calling as my disciple. How are you loving people that are different than you? And that's what Jesus has an interest in. Because it's important for us to recognize that we are called to be a distinct group of people who are called to show a certain kind of love, not just to a certain kind of person. And to be unified is not uniformity. That to understand what it is to be a um, the people who live out the calling of Jesus in the world is to understand that we don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to look all the same way, but because of Jesus, we have some sense of unity. The most popular verse, I think, in all the Bible is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? We know that passage. If you know any verses of scripture, you probably know this one. And in that phrase, it's interesting. There's a phrase that he could have used to describe the world, John, that would have been like a certain part of the world. He could have used a word that said like kind of the civilized world, the structured world, the people who have it together, the people who, who have things put in a certain order. But he doesn't use that word. He uses the word cosmos, which means everything, basically, For God so loved everybody, basically, every part of the world, not just a certain part of the world, not just the people who act like God thinks they should act. God loves everybody. And so who are we to act like we can hold things in certain ways? God loves the cosmos. It covers everyone. I think people struggle with this in in faith groups. because The thing is, as I think about it, it's not just like certain parts of LA that struggle with this. There's certain churches that only have like one group of people um, and and one people group. And that's hard because the message of the gospel is about walls that are being broken down. But people have struggled with this forever. In the Old Testament, we see that God comes to Abram and says, like, you're going to be this blessing, but it's working through the, the Jews and then eventually going to go out further. And then you see Jesus actually living this out from the very beginning. Jesus' birth, he's visited by magi who are from the Far East, people who would have been very distinct and different. Jesus in his ministry, at one point he goes through Samaria and interacts with a Samaritan woman. Like, you do not do that. And this is like Samaritans and Jews hated each other. But Jesus has this conversation. In fact, she's shocked that he's actually addressing her because of how unbelievable it is that he would do that. And He praises the faith of a Canaanite woman. He says that a Roman centurion has better faith than anyone that he's seen in Israel. When the cross is carried, it's carried by someone named Simon of Cyrene. Cyrene would have been in Libya, Africa. Jesus is all about breaking down walls and crossing across lines. Lines that we can so easily put up and withhold and not even really notice that we can have them. In the Gospel of John, there's this really interesting interaction that happens. So John chapter 12, verses 20 and 21, describes this scene. There were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request, Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. So there's these people who are at the festival, and they're, they're Greeks. They're outsiders to the Jewish faith. And so they they come to... Philip, with this request. Hey, you know, we, we know something about this Jesus. Can we come in and interact? Can we meet with him? Can we talk with him? And this was something that culturally was not very acceptable. When you spent time with anybody, it was a way of people saying, well, you endorse those kinds of people, and it was hard sometimes to figure out those kind of lines, as it still is um, in certain times uh, today. And then later in the story, there's this really interesting thing that happens. It's Jesus is like— experiencing this interaction. Um, He says, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. And this is a really interesting thing in the Gospel of John. Multiple times during his ministry, Jesus says, it's not yet my hour, basically. Like, people are like, hey, come on, let's get this whole thing started. Let's, Let's overthrow Rome. Let's do this thing. And Jesus, like, continues to say, nope, not yet, not yet. Not yet. No, it's not for this reason that I came. This is not my hour yet. So, not yet, not yet, not yet is what we've heard in the Gospel of John over and over and over again. But when these outsiders come to Jesus, when these Gentiles, these these Greeks, when they come to Jesus, he's like, This is why I came. It's breaking down walls. It's loving people who are different than us. Yes, this is the reason why I came. Because the cross is for all people. There's the famous book, Everything I Needed to Know, I Learned in Kindergarten. And I think that's true about some of the early songs that we sing. Like, how much better would your life be if you could just sing the song God's Got the Whole World in His Hands every day and you just like if you could just sing that on the way to work? Like, wouldn't that be better? There's simple phrases, simple things that we learn as kids. The song Jesus Loves the Little Children, red and yellow, black and white. You're all singing it now. They're all precious in His sight. And what if we as a church could just commit to more and more getting that right? Jesus teaches his disciples to pray that heaven would come to earth. That the more of heaven's reality would be part of of what we are experiencing now. And I've talked before about a theologian who says that God's going to let everyone into heaven who can stand it. So if you're a racist, you're not going to like it there. If you think that God only came for certain kinds of people or certain groups or you don't experience that now, then you're not going to like it there. Because heaven is about barriers being broken down. It's about us realizing what was God's ultimate desire. I think about one of the ways that I think L.A. does give us a little bit of a glimpse of heaven is, yes, there are parts of the city that are pretty segregated still, but you get a chance to have some of the best food of the entire world, like within a short drive from here, right? And it's different cultures, it's different things. You get to experience like, it's unbelievable, like Chinese food. Where I ended up going when they wouldn't accept my cards, I found some amazing dumpling place. She claimed she had the best dumplings in LA. I don't know that that's actually true, but she claimed it. And I remember as, as a kid, I think just like more and more this has happened, that we appreciate different cultures and different foods and different backgrounds. I think we're experiencing that. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that as a middle schooler, I went to a, a birthday party for Eric Adkins, and um, he had had his birthday party at Thailandia which is a Thai restaurant that doesn't exist anymore. But I remember, like, thinking, "What is Thai food? Like, Thai food? What is it even?" And I don't remember if I actually liked it at the evening or not. Uh, but I remember just this distinct feeling, like, "Who would want to eat Thai food? What is that?" And now it's some of my favorite food. I'm just embarrassed to even say that I once thought that way. But I remember just thinking, like, w- "Who? Wh- what is this? Why are we going? Why don't we go to pizza? Why don't we go to Domino's or something like that?" Uh, but now Thai food is some of my favorite uh, in the world. So one way that I think LA is a little bit of a glimpse of heaven is that we get to enjoy unbelievable food from different cultures and different places. And you need to take advantage of that because this is one of the first times in human history that that sort of thing has been just available to all of us. And that's one way that I think we see the blessing of diversity. And we see that different foods and different cultures, it's, it's beautiful when you get a chance to experience that. And what is, you can just say it out loud. What is your favorite type of food? Just go ahead. So just say it out loud. Tex-Mex. Mexican. Anybody else? Breakfast. That's, that. there you go. Breakfast. Breakfast is good. Yeah. And we get the chance to experience all, all of this, all of this stuff. And it's amazing. And it's, it's a blessing that we get a chance to do that. But To not just experience like the good parts, but also to like really get to, to love your neighbors, to love those who are different than you, it's a challenge. I mean, it's really why so much of the New Testament was written. If you actually like look at what Paul is addressing and writing about, one of the things he's primarily concerned with is racism. Because the Jewish people are trying to figure out how do we allow these Gentile people, just as the Gentiles, the the Greeks came to Jesus, some Greek people, some Gentiles, outsiders to the faith, are are coming into the church. And so the question becomes, well, what are we supposed to do about it? How does someone who hasn't followed any of these customs or these laws, how does that person become part of us? And at the earliest beginnings of, of the Christian movement, outsiders thought they were jews because it was primarily made up of jews that was what people thought about them so then as as gentiles are starting to believe as these outsiders come to faith the question becomes well what rules should they follow then what customs what things do we need to do and it becomes very hotly debated do you have to get circumcised or not and that is a huge chunk of why the new testament letters are written I mean, it really cuts down on your new members class if you have to get circumcised. Use that both ways. Um, and, and it's a difficult, difficult thing. Like, well, what is an outs- how does an outsider come into this faith? What are we supposed to do? And so, so much of the New Testament is, is, is Paul saying, like, don't make it hard on people who are coming into this faith. Like, welcome those who are outside. And he tells them their own story to challenge them to figure out what it is that they're called to do and who they're called to be. How do Jews and Gentiles get along? It's the same question that we are still asking with different group names. We are called to be a diverse group of people, a new place that acts and thinks like heaven. It's so one of those places that Paul writes to in Ephesus. He says in the middle of this letter For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. I love that entire passage, but right at the very beginning, God himself is our peace. And how is it that I'm going to get along with that person? Or how is it sometimes that that person who, who, who bugs me, who I don't really necessarily feel is that easy to love, how could I look at them and say, yeah, this, this person is a little complicated. Sometimes they're a little bit annoying perhaps, but God is the peace between us. And yes, we're different, and yes, there's some distinctions, and yes, there's, there's things that sometimes I need, to, I need to work on in myself, but sometimes it's being around those people that help us to actually learn what things like forgiveness and love really are. God himself is the peace between us. I've been doing some reading. I'm probably going to talk about this several times uh, in, in this series, but I made this really high-tech line for you to see in the next slide. You might not be able to fully fully read it, but um, I was doing some reading about how like people are transformed and like how they interact with God and how God does work um, on our hearts. And the author is saying that it's either in solitude and silence or in deep community that God transforms our hearts. And the problem is, we rarely spend time in either place in our world today. Like, we're afraid of the solitude and silence, so we fill our head with noise and, like, just can't really sit by ourselves and allow like, those moments where we just, you know, try and reflect and be with God, and that's another sermon for another time, but talking about the deep community side. And we're transformed through deep community. We learn what love is by actually, like, learning to forgive someone. This is why, like, even though you love your family the most, your family can drive you crazy, right? It's because you're actually in, in like deep community with them. It's because it's like the real you that's coming out. And you don't really like the real them, and they don't really like the real you. And there's certain people like when you're in like deep community with them, that it's actually really hard. It's hard for you to love this certain kind of person. But the same is true the other way. And there's going to be a time in heaven perhaps when you get there and you're going to be like, wow, I can't believe he's here. And someone's going to see, someone's going to see you and say, I can't believe she's here. Because there are certain people... That it's just hard for us to love. And God transforms us in, in deep community. But that doesn't mean that it's easy. And one thing that, that I'll say that I think is true of, of my generation and it makes me sad. I think we're way too quick to give up on each other. Like right when there's a conflict, right when there's something, it's just like, you know, I'm done. I'm not going to continue in this. I'm not going to go on. And then we just go to the next relationship until we have conflict in that relationship. And it's like, oh, and I'm going to go find like the perfect friend or I'm going to go find whatever it is. And you're like just going from place to place to place, thing to thing to thing, because your heart really longs for deep community, but you don't want to do the hard work to get it. And so it's important for us to really think about how do we look at people, understanding that God is our peace and, and find times where we escape to solitude and silence and deep community because we just don't spend enough time in either space in our world today. Maybe we understand what it looks like to to be people who seek God in our relationships. Who say, yeah, it's it's difficult for me to to love that person, but God is my peace with him or her. Because God is always about moving walls and breaking down barriers. There's an old preacher story, which probably means it's not true, but um, it's about three friends who were in Ireland, and in this time, there was big distinctions between the, the Protestant church in town and the Catholic church uh, in town. But these three friends, um, one of them uh, passed away, and the two of them went to their priest and said, you know, we are really close friends. We spent like every moment together. Would it be okay if you bury him um, in our church's graveyard? And the priest said, well, I can't do that because he he was Protestant, and We're Catholic, so I can't do that for you. The friend said, all right, well, like, what if we, and they came up with this idea, let's put him just, like, right outside the wall, basically. We'll put put right outside the fence, and then, like, at least we'll be able to be close to him eventually. So the priest said, all right, all right, all right, I'll do that, as long as he's not in the wall. The funeral happened. They buried him. And a few weeks later, these two guys go to see their friend's grave they can't find it and they go to the priest and say what what happened and he said you know i couldn't sleep well for days after that so i went and moved the fence so your friend's on the catholic team for now <laughs> i think oftentimes god speaks to us to move the fence whether it's in a relationship with someone that you just don't really want to address anymore, or whether it's inviting you again into a relationship with someone who's hard to love, God's going to continue to invite all of us to move the fence, to say, like, I'm not just going to be around those that I like or those who like me or those who are in my preferences. I'm going to continue to put my heart out into community because that's where God does work. And I think this is a huge struggle for us. I think it has been forever. But increasingly, uh, it's it's this way because of the way that we live in, like, kind of an online community more than, like, actual presence. Because in social media and things, they have analytics that say things that, like, if you like certain articles about, like, supporting, like, Donald Trump, then I'm going to keep feeding you some of those. And it's going to keep showing up, like, this is what you're going to see, this is what you're going to see. And if you see certain articles that are anti-Donald Trump and you like those, then it's going to just funnel you down to there, to a point, perhaps, that you could be on either side of the fence and say, I don't think I know anyone who supports him. I don't think I know anyone who voted for Hillary. And you can say that and think, I don't think I know anyone who did that. And really what it is, is that's analytics at work. It's funneling you to the things that you like and helping your preferences and your likes and what you're comfortable with. It's just funneling you to be around certain people. So this is why I think this is so important for us. Because as Christians, we should always be willing to move the walls a little bit further and have conversations with people who are different than us. And it's like in our world today, we're just walking around with like blinders on, just not willing to see what other people might be thinking or understand what's happening because God so loved the world and it's the cosmos, not just a certain part of it. God so loved the entire world. He gave his son. And the way that we respond and show that is then by loving each other. To look to other people, to show love in certain ways. And if you think about what reconciliation actually looks like, it isn't all that comfortable. I asked Jesus what that looked like in the end. And reconciliation is, is hard work. It's, it's definitely difficult. But I think it's worth it. One of the things that's, that's popular I think today is to say, you know, I've just given up on on the church and I I just do church around my table. You know, I just, I have communion with some friends and like I just do church around my table. And that sounds kind of nice. Like it sounds like, yeah, that's a little quaint thing. And maybe you have breakfast food there for the person who loves breakfast food. And you have that that moment where you spend that, that time around your table. But the issue with that is who is it that comes around your table? Is it the people you work with? So generally, the people that you work with are probably about your same education level. Or is it the people in your neighborhood? Because generally, the people in your neighborhood are going to be around your same income level. And who is it? Who gets to choose? And who gets to come around your table? And I think the bent of all of us, if we just kind of continue to let us do our own thing and continue to just kind of go down our own path, is to slowly start to make that sort of thing a little bit exclusive. To just people who are easy for us to love. And Jesus would say, if all you're loving is people who are easy for you to love, how does that make you any different at all? At church, when we come together, we have no idea who's going to come in a given week. We've had homeless people show up, and we've tried as a community to to love them while they're here. We've had people of different faith backgrounds, people of different traditions, and that's one of the things that is so powerful about the church because it is an open invitation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, You're welcome here. And it's a space that we try to create for our community and for us to be able to truly strive to love each other. Because that is who we're called to be. On September 15th, 1963, in, in Birmingham, Alabama, there was a bomb that went off at this church, the 16th Street Baptist Church. I was blessed to be able to take a a tour several years ago with uh, 10 white ministers and 10 African-American ministers. And it was powerful to be able to see some sites like this and to be able to talk uh, with people who had experiences with racism more than I have. It was powerful to be with them. This bomb was set off at this church. And on that Sunday, September 15th, It killed four black little girls. It was discovered that it was set off by the KKK and it's truly like a sad horrific event. Something that is terrible to this day. And when things happen, when some sort of terrorist kind of attack happens in a church, which unfortunately still happens, we just kind of can say, you know, why? Like, why does it have to happen there? Shouldn't that be a safe space? But I would argue that if your vision for the world is white supremacy, and you probably were trying to hit the right target. It's a horrific thing and it's a terrible thing. But if you are trying to argue that one race of people is better than everyone else, then this is a place, and it still is the place, the church of Jesus Christ is one that stands against that message. We can think at times that our nation is just what's leading us to equality, but I think we miss that it is Jesus Christ and the message of Christianity which I think is a part of the foundation of our nation, which has moved us forward in these conversations. And we're not perfect yet, and there's still a long way to go. But when you show up for a church on Sunday morning, and when you sit next to somebody and you don't know exactly who you're going to sit next to, one thing that I like about this church is there's not really assigned seating here. Almost every week there's like different people sitting in different places, And I'm thankful for the diversity that we have here, but I want to preach and think about this topic because we need to continue to think about how we can increase our diversity and love each other even though we're different. Because coming to church isn't saying, like, I believe everything that is happening here on a Sunday morning. In fact, you might not really believe in anything. The earliest followers of Jesus didn't really know who he was either. It's about all of us being willing to say, I am on this journey to try and love people more and love people who aren't like me. May we recognize the difficulty of this call, to recognize that God himself, Jesus is our peace. And may we be willing to go this week into parts of our city that unfortunately are still segregated in certain ways to be a light in those communities to continue to love people who are different than us for God so loved the world may we live like that's true let's pray together God this is a a hard topic and one that we all recognize that we struggle with in certain ways. May we strive to be people who love those who are different than us. May we recognize that you truly are our peace. Father, be with us as we try to be a community of people that loves unconditionally. May we learn from that love that you've shown for us on the cross and this simple message that you have loved the world. Your Son, Jesus, I pray, amen. We're going to close with the song, Who You Say I Am. And this song is a reminder that to do this well, I think we have to recognize who God says uh, we are and we learn and lead uh, from that space. Let's stand and sing together.